0: Welcome back to the Start Creating Podcast. This week, we deep dive into the importance of picking a niche on social media, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or anywhere in life. Also, I tell you about my madness that's currently ensuing in my wonderful house as my girlfriend decides to paint everything that you can see. We touch upon the changes that YouTube or doing to the notification system, and then we take a trip down memory lane as I give you 10 mistakes that you should avoid as a small YouTuber and a throwback on one of my old YouTube videos. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Start Creating Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you grow on social media, from YouTube to Instagram and so much more. I am your host, Alan Spicer, your YouTube certified expert. I have around about 12 years worth of experience in this industry from web development to social media marketing and video editing in itself. This podcast will be about news, tips, tricks, and your submitted questions should you need any help within the social media space. So follow, subscribe, enjoy the ride, go out there, start creating. Welcome to episode 5. Who would have thought that a month ago I would have put out 5 podcasts within a month and I'm still here. Now, I'm quite stubborn when it comes to these kind of things. I will continue to do the podcasts on a regular basis for as long as I can. And once it's ingrained into my head, it will become a constant thing because I'll, I'll, I'm will I'll, so stubborn. It's one of the only reasons I think the YouTube channel is doing really well. It's it's just, I refuse to let things die. So, okay. So, here I am. I'm sat in my wonderful office where I record all my videos. And I'm hiding from the madness that is my other half. Basically, she's taken a week off work. And because she normally is surrounded by little human beings, because she's a nursery school nurse, in this case, she she's free and has some adult time. But she's choosing to spend that adult time decorating everything in the house so i have to record audio content and videos and stuff while she's painting things and banging ahead of things and moving ladders and uh, trying to avoid stepping on the cat it's great fun now this also means that there's some fantastic smells around the house at the moment like white spirit and and glass and stuff like that it's the madness that I'm, i'm currently living in but i i thought you know just sharing that i mean who It's it's that time of year. Are you... Are you doing housework? Are you sorting out the garden? Are you painting the sheds? Or are you, like, redecorating your living room? I always thought that that was kind of like an Easter thing rather than an early summer thing, right? Spring cleaning, DIY. Maybe I'm mad. I mean, is there anything in your house that you're looking to decorate? Like, at this point, she seems to be wanting to do everything. She's painting every single door that you can think of. And I suck at kind of these things. Like... If there's any fine detail, don't get me do it. Like if you need me to do a base coat, if you need me to whitewash a wall or whitewash a ceiling, and it doesn't matter if it's messy or sloppy, it just get the job done. I could do that, that's fine. If you're trying to detail something onto a door frame, I'm 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 like a elephant. It's horrific. Right? I'm all thumb fingers and, and no grace. So talking to talking about all thumb fingers and no grace. So If you've been listening for the last few weeks, you know that I've been worried about going to the doctors, right? It's taken them three appointments to finally get to the point where they're doing, like, standard blood tests. I mean, don't get me wrong, at least I don't have to pay, right? And it just seems to be miscommunication between the doctors there. Like, maybe I weren't clear enough or whatever. Maybe they're they're redecorating there as well. So, anyway. So I went in, got my blood test done. I've been told that I'll get my results within, like, a week or so. If they're important, they will talk to me. If they're not important, they won't communicate with me. Right? So that's always good. I can worry for an entire week that I might have super mega flu. And if I don't hear anything from them after 10 days, then I'm fine. But if I do get a phone call, then I do certainly have super mega flu. And I have to go in for them to tell me how to fix it. It's wonderful. (laughs) But that's, that's my life in a nutshell at the moment. Let me know what you're doing. Right, tweet at me, hashtag start creating podcast. or if you're watching and listening to this on YouTube, then reply in the comments. What's your life at the moment? Do you like the doctors? Do you avoid the doctors? Are you painting in your house? Maybe we can, you know, help each other through the madness. Is there somebody else in your house? Are you more like me, and not really artistic, but somebody else in your house is, and they want to decorate everything? Or are you the artsy one, and you're fed up with the people that are oh, not very artsy, and wonder why, you know, they're about as graceful as an elephant in a tutu. (laughs) So this week in the news, we have seen the announcement of some changes coming to notifications. In fact, more of a clarification of notifications on YouTube. Basically, for anyone that's been around on YouTube for a fair while, they'll remember the good old days when you'd subscribe to a YouTube channel, you clicked click the subscribe button, and then when he went to the subscription feed, whenever they published a new video, it would be put in the subscription feed. Not only that, it would be put in time and date order, so if I published a video and then somebody else and then somebody else, I'd be lower down the list because theirs was more recent rather than most relevant. Now, YouTube over time have continued to faff around with the subscription box. They've optimized it so the most recent or the more, the more relevant will show up at the start. It will start removing things that, from channels that you don't see more often. You won't get notifications on 100% of your videos. And this was starting to annoy people. So, YouTube has now clarified that they are putting in place and enhancing the notification system. There is now three options when you click on a YouTube channel and you click on that little bell, right? First of all, you have to click on the bell if you want to push notifications of any kind. These notifications will either come to your mobile or to your desktop. And what they are are little reminders that there's content, whether it happens to be on the community page, whether it happens to be a video, anything really. So there's three options, which is sometimes... So personalised, which is a hollow bell with a little noise against it, if you click that bell and it's not fully filled in, it's likely that it is personalised. What this means is is that it will only serve videos to you that are relevant to your recent viewing habits or if you've seen that, that channel in the last few days or the last few weeks because therefore, you seem to have more of an affinity with that channel so we'll send you more of that channel's content. Or you can click all notifications where it fills in the bell entirely and you'll get 100% of those notifications delivered to you in theory to your phone or your email or wherever you've elected it to be. The third option is none. So effectively you're turning the bell off. Now why is this important? Well this effectively now returns what the subscribe button used to be which means that if you go in and you actively collect all, you'll now have your subs feedback. But subject to the metrics that they've given us, you'll now see how active your subscribers actually are. So you may have 10,000 subscribers, but how many of those actually hit the notification bell? And then how many out of those actually have notifications enabled on their phone? Because you might choose to click the bell, but you might have then turned off the notifications on your phone because you was fed up of them at one point. So, you need to make sure that first of all, when you're advising people to click that bell, that they click all notifications. So therefore, they get every video that's posted. And they then need to go into their phone settings, click on the YouTube app and make sure that notifications for the YouTube app are available. Now, there is a metric within the YouTube analytics dashboard. You go to analytics in the new dashboard and you click on build audience and on the right hand side, you'll be able to see the percentage of how many people have actually clicked your notification bell and then the percentage of those, how many are not only clicking the bell, but also have notification enables on their phone. Now. This is supposed to be initially between five and thirty percent to start with, or 10 and thirty percent for the the overarching bell, and then only between five and twenty percent for bell with notifications on. Now, if you work out that maths, that means that if only twenty percent of your audience actually have all bell notifications on and you have 10,000 subscribers, only two thousand of those are actually fully engaged. So that's a metric that you need to pay attention to. Maybe work on explaining to people why that metric is important, or use that as your base so you know that those are your loyal subscribers and those are the people that you're pushing. Maybe that's the number that you should bear in mind that's in your head, rather than the vanity metrics of total subscribers. Because Logan Paul might have 20 million, but how many of those actually bother to be alerted every time he makes a video? So that's something to consider. And that's what's in the YouTube news this week. Now, before we deep dive into why a niche is important to grow on social media, I want to help you grow on YouTube. So why don't you go and grab my free top 10 tips for starting and growing a YouTube ebook. It's completely free. Go to alanspicer.com forward slash ebook and I will step you through every fine detail of niche, content, branding, everything that you need to get started. Once again, it's completely free. Go to alanspicer.com forward slash ebook. I first started creating content for YouTube around about seven, eight years ago. This was for a combination of my own personal hobby, my own exploration, a way for me to cope with, at times, very bad, crippling depression but also a way to experiment, to learn the platform. Now, I was throwing videos left, right and center at YouTube. It was very easy to create and easy to upload. Everything on YouTube was fairly, you know, amateur at the time, so it didn't matter if you were sat in a living room, in a poorly lit room with your TV in the background. It didn't matter if you was just creating content for the sake of uploading something, anything. It didn't matter if one video was a movie review and the next video you were cooking and then the next video you were traveling and then the next video was a funny clip of you, I don't know, stroking a snail. Now, that's fantastic and it can be entertaining, but it doesn't have the scale that you may need if you're wishing to grow a brand online, whether it's business, whether it is a channel, whether it's some form of social media platform. You need to focus on your niche. Now, this advice, I will once again lean on my experience and I'll tell you how I use a niche to grow a YouTube channel. But you can still use these same practices towards a Facebook page or an Instagram profile or anything for that matter. At the end of the day, nowadays we have the internet and if you niche down enough, you can be that person that makes 50,000 pounds just talking about smurfs, right? Or trading football cards, talking about movies, something that's very unique. You can pick one game, you can pick one area, one niche, one piece of software. You can become the expert or the passion behind that niche and that community, and you can grow. So, what's the importance of a niche? First of all, it helps you stand out. Now, I play a game with my friends, right, I call it something unique, it's normally named after the female genitalia, so I'll replace it, right? But it's basically, have you ever, ever tried to stand out from a crowd when you're all talking the same things? Have you also noticed that no matter how loud you talk in a public place, no one actually pays attention to you? Now, I challenge you to do this, subject to you not being a a really quiet train, that is. Walk into a public place, a really busy place, a shopping centre, a supermarket, a train station. Pick a random word and just shout it. Or talk it really, really loudly. So, once again, for me, mine was a piece of female genitalia, but you can try something different. Walk into, say, Victoria train station or wherever and just go, FOOTBALL! And see if anybody turns around and looks at you. And if they do... See how many on the scale. So if you're surrounded by 200 people and only one person that has stood right next to you looked at you, now you understand the importance of a niche. Because if you're shouting really, really loud in a a crowd and it's something random and pointless, you're not attracting their attention. But if you are at, say, a rock concert or a football match and you shout something that is very ultra-relevant to them, they will respond. So let's say you go to a rock concert before the band comes on stage and you start singing one of the songs. Sooner or later, the audience will sing along with you. Let's say you're at a wrestling event and you start chanting something that is relevant to the crowd, whether it's AEW, whether it's TNA, right? Whether it's something relevant about the wrestler that happens to be in the ring. You have the audience, you've collected the niche, you've attracted the attention of the community within it, and you will get their attention. That is why you pick a niche. Now, that niche needs to be something that you know. Because if you don't know it, you'll be struggling to keep ahead of the curve. Now, I personally really love wrestling, I really love social media, and I've been doing both for years, not personally wrestling, just watching wrestling. Now, I could talk about wrestling for hours and hours and hours on end, and I could have made a wrestling channel. I didn't, I was stupid, and I was silly, but I did make one of my hobbies into a job and a passion. And because I know what it is, I could talk about it for hours on end. And because I know it, I'm willing to research it. Because I know it, I know how to teach it. If I know every step, I'll be able to tell you 20, 30-odd steps, which are 20, 30-odd videos. And if I keep those 20 or 30-odd steps ahead of you, I'll always be able to be 20 or 30-odd videos ahead. Now, if you also love what you do, talking about what I said in the last podcast, which is create stuff that you love. The importance of loving the content you create. Because if you love it, you'll constantly wish to learn. It won't be a, a struggle to be like, oh, okay, I'm 30, 30 lessons ahead of everyone. Now I really, oh, I don't really want to do that next course i don't really want to learn that next thing i don't really want to learn that next book i don't really want to learn how to play that game right but if it's something that you love you're already learning it you've already read it you're already planning that thing it could be that you're a big fan of amsterdam right and you're showing people certain areas in random areas of amsterdam right and you're doing it in live streams right but on your time off you go and explore amsterdam anyway At the end of the day, if you love what you are creating, it will continue to push you and help them. That passion comes across and it helps you teach that person, intrigue that person, keep them on that bandwagon. Now, it also needs to be something that you are willing to learn. Since I started my YouTube channel... Teaching YouTube tricks and tips two years ago. All I've continued to do is read books and watch creators. I learn from people like Nick Niman and Roberto Blake and Amy Schmittauer, like Tim Schmoyer, Daryl Eves. I get my mentality, my mindset from the likes of Gary V, Evan Carmichael. Now why? because I'm passionate and I love it, but I'm also willing to learn. If I can learn a new mindset, if Roberto Blake can teach me how I can link my YouTube tutorials into creating a brand or making funds and funding my business through affiliate links, that I can then employ more people to to edit my videos or get a better computer to speed up the process, which means I can make more videos, which means you get more tutorials quicker right whether i can funnel that funds back into a new set now if you've been watching me for long enough you know that i've got a i had a new set at the start of the year i had a new camera at the start of the year those little things have increased my retention rates my audience retention rate goes up which means youtube favours me more which ranks me better which means i get more subscribers i've gained easily easily 60% more of my, or 60% of my total audience growth has been done in the last six months. I hit new year just shy of 2,000 subscribers. I'm hurtling towards 7,000 now. I did a podcast two, three weeks ago saying how I got to 6,000 subscribers. Can you see the exponential growth? And all that is, is making sure that I picked a niche that I could drill down into that people would expect me to deliver make sure that I'm delivering it to the audience that wants to hear from those things, that I love it enough to keep going without burning out, that I continue to learn the subject over and over and over again, and it's something that I can talk about for hours and hours, days, months, years on end. So much so that not only do I have 300-odd tutorials on the channel, I started a podcast to talk about it more in depth. That's how much I love my niche, that's why I love sitting here on my sofa chatting to you and hopefully you're sat there on the bus or on your sofa or doing your washing up and you're enjoying listening to me express to you your need for a niche, your need to grow, your need for a passion in something that you are creating. Now, once you have your niche, you need to think deeper. This It's okay doing the surface level stuff, Right? You could teach about how to create YouTube videos for forever. You could teach the general basics of football, for example. Football being the round ball that you call soccer in America, but you're wrong. Now, let's take football, for example, once again. I'm not in that niche, but it just goes to show that this can apply to absolutely anything. And this is creating content for YouTube, or Instagram, or Twitter, anything. If you lead with value, but you drill down deeper... You could do anything that you want. So that's how you're doing sport. Not only do you teach them the general rules of the game, what is offside, what is a free kick, what is a throw-in, what is a goal, what is goal-line technology, right? But then you deep dive into the smaller niche elements. Like how do you train people? How do you train a trainer that trains footballers? Do they use specific software to monitor? What's the best heart rate? How do you know they're learning? How do you know that the muscle memory is involved? Right? How can you improve on certain skills? How do you have a look at the mentality of the footballer? You need to master every element of your niche. Now, let's switch away from football for a split second. If you have something in your niche that is important, let's say your niche is very software-driven, So, let's say you're a video editor, for example. Is there a software you can master? Is there something that you can teach or learn to improve your content? Now, I've seen many YouTubers within the YouTube educator space master a software to explode. So, let's say you give out tips and tricks on how to create fantastic content on Photoshop or Adobe Premiere after effects have a look at premiere gal for example she teaches wonderful little tricks on how to edit your videos better how to clone people how to do color shading how to i don't know just generally every fine detail and if you imagine that if you make a video on everything that that software can do whether it's mapping whether it's color grading whether it's color flipping whether it's make something from night into day Absolutely anything. If you've got a piece of software that does anything, then you've got a gold mine of content that is very niche, that answers to a very small community that you can tap on and tap into. Now, once again, it could be you teaching people how to Instagram, or how to use Sendable, or how to use anything. TubeBuddy, for example, which you can always get TubeBuddy for free from alanspicer.com forward slash Buddy, quick plug. But at the end of the day, if you've got a software that you can master, not only can you learn you can continue to learn and continue to get more skills, but once you've learned that skill, if you teach it to other people, you will find that niche and you will find people that are wanting to learn that. Because if you needed to learn that then someone else needed to learn that. And those kind of things are evergreen. I mean, granted, sometimes softwares upgrade and sometimes they look different. But generally, software only revolves by adding features or runtime. I mean, how much editing and cropping and cutting out can you do with Photoshop that has changed over the years I'm sure the tools and the buttons have remained the same. The only difference is more people have become more artistic, more creative of how they've used them. You just teach them those techniques, those transparent backgrounds, or that style that you've seen on Love Island or ITV or anything like that. Master the software. Or, once again, if you're going deep enough and you're playing games, master the game. Have a look at the game in itself. Can you teach us the the best setup for pvp in destiny 2 do you know how to get the best gun do you know how to speed run and speed level can you teach us the hardest bits for example once again in destiny there are multi-man raids can you teach us how to do those raids can you teach us how to get that gun how to master that weapon how to get the best armor now this once again could be for anything are you a are you a, a, a beautician Are you going to deep dive into the very best eyeshadows and eyeshadow techniques, right? How to shade that, how to do it for Halloween, for Christmas, how to have a winter look, how to do a Game of Thrones look, how to do a anything, right? You can put a twist on the same video 50 times and it can be different content, and that's fine, right? Because if you've got that niche... And you are that channel that teaches people how to put their makeup on, how to make that lipstick, how to curl their eyebrows, right? You can tell that I'm not a beauty person, but you get the point, right? If you continue and consistently deliver on your niche, you will get known for that thing, that bubble. You can then expand from that niche. The reason for that is that it will take you a while to move from a niche into more personality-driven or brand stuff. If you put two years into a niche, if you really, really deep dive into it, like I have, you can grow an audience. In two years, I have nearly 700,000 views, nearly 7,000 subscribers, I have affiliate links, and I went full-time on YouTube at around about 3,000 subscribers. All through the clients that It generates all through the sales that it can generate, all through the affiliate link that it makes. Now, if you build that brand and you do two years' worth of makeup tutorials or two years' worth of gaming tutorials, right, you can then connect with other businesses and point at your statistics. Find those people, build your brand, make that money, make your passion and your whim, your joy, your love into something that sustains you. And then obviously, at that point, if your hobby is paying you, you continue to make more of it because you love it anyway. I can't express how much stress was lifted off my shoulders at the point I knew that I could sustain myself without having to chase web design sales anymore. For eight years, I was a web developer first and a kind of social media kind of guy on the side. And I always wanted somewhere down the way to be more of a social media person. Now, I don't mean that I wanted to be a celebrity. I just mean that I wanted to teach people social media. Whether it was through a wrestling fan forum. Whether it was through tutorials. Whether it was a YouTube channel of entertainment. I I knew that I was going that way somewhere. Now, yes, I still work. And yes, I still have clients that I'm accountable to. But because of the network and because of the hard work that I built in a niche, I am now able to attract clients and generate an income. And over the next three to five years, I will slowly transform the tutorials channel into something that is more of a brand. So I'll be known as the YouTuber that can teach you things, but also that's Alan Spicer because he's funny he does a podcast. He says weird things about man nipples. He likes wrestling. Slowly over time, you can inject your personality, right? But only if you start helping them first. Because if you help them, they get used to you. They, it gives them a reason to stick around and get to learn you, be curious about you, right? The niche is your gateway drug to a community that wants to see you and your company Strive and survive. Look at Casey Neistat. For forever, he was creating niche content. What was his niche content? He'd make a movie every day. Something spectacular. It was a vlog, granted, and his niche was rather nuanced. But you'd learnt how fantastic Casey was. And now, I bet you anything, you'd sit down and watch a video solely about Casey. Same with Gary Vaynerchuk. All he's been doing is throwing out business advice over and over and over again, all for free. And now, tell you anything, I'll happily sit down and watch a keynote. I'll happily see how his life panned out. I'd watch a a biopic, of Gary Vaynerchuk. If you don't know who he is, I'm sure you will once you figure out who he is. So, pick a niche. Get deeper. Really love it. Create content for that niche and help people. And you will see that the hard work pays off. Building a YouTube channel can be very hard and sometimes you make it harder on yourself by making these mistakes. They're very, very common and everybody does at least one of them. So I'm going to deep dive into 10 things and mistakes that you need to avoid when growing a small YouTube channel Was taking a dive down memory lane. Here we go, back into my archives. For over two years now, I've been working with clients to maximize the potential of their channel. And there's 10 mistakes that many small YouTubers make. So I'm here to tell you to avoid these 10 mistakes and help you grow on YouTube. Here we go. Hello and welcome back to another video. I'm Alan Spicer, your YouTube certified expert. And if you're looking to start a YouTube channel, grow your YouTube channel or push your brand out there. And it's the second largest search engine on the internet. You should click subscribe, start creating. Many a time on live streams, in my emails, and just generally on Twitter and things like that, people are asking me to review their channel many a time I see these same mistakes. And if people just tidied these up and just sorted them all out, it would help lift their brand awareness, help get them their views. And these are 10 tips that can help you. Go out there make sure that you're not making these mistakes. Number one, forgetting to pin a comment at the top of your comment section. A very powerful tool that many people just swipe over is that when you publish a YouTube video, you can go in and comment on your own video. Use it as a mini advertising tool. At the top of my YouTube videos, there is always a pinned comment. This is a way for me to prompt a question out of you, to ask you to engage or to share a link, a playlist, a video that is relevant. This will always be floated to the top. This can always be seen. This is a good way for you to control a toxic comment section or guide people towards content that you want them to see. It can also act as a billboard on any really popular videos to push people elsewhere to see more of your content. So if you've got a video that's doing really, really well, but isn't necessarily fully on niche, and you want to push them elsewhere to see your content, or an updated version, you can pin a comment, you can pin a link at the top, engage, make them do what you want them to do. Horrible mistake number two, terrible thumbnails. You may have fantastic content. You've spent hours on end crafting it, editing it, scripting it, recording it, putting up your equipment, putting down your equipment, lugging it from A to B. You upload it, you publicize it, and then you let yourself down by just in a really bad thumbnail or no thumbnail at all. You need to consider the branding that's involved. You need to think if that was somebody else's thumbnail, would you click on it? Can you look at that video and see what it's about? Are you intrigued? Does it educate you? Does it make you ask a question and curious enough to click on it? If you look through your last 20 videos, is it just you in the same shot, just going, and none of those are custom. None of them have text, none of them have color schemes, none of them have branding. Maybe it's a bit boring. Or you've gone out your way to theme them all, but the only thing that changes is a number in the corner and the name's a bit wrong and everything looks identical. So you can't really tell them apart. Spend some time on winning the click with the thumbnail because a title and a description does well, but it's the thumbnails they click on. And if you need help on how to create the perfect thumbnail, I've done a video up here. Three. One take wonders. I understand it, sometimes you need to do quick content. I understand it, sometimes you just wanna pump stuff out. But if you've got time to create a video, and upload a video, don't let yourself down by just clicking, putting it up there, doing 10 minutes of one take with er uh and ums in them and then uploading it. If that's been sat on your computer for two days, or if that's been sat on your memory card on your, com- your your camera for two or three days, you could have quite easily imported that into Windows Movie Maker or Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere and then just cut out the er's and ums a little bit. That way making a 10 minute video around about eight minute videos, you've not stopped people in their tracks when you're erring and umming or finding the next word. If you're trying to be an expert or if you're trying to entertain people, there is that reality gap. If I um, was stumbling over a fact because this camera is a uh, DSLR with a f-stop, I think, that doesn't instill confidence in the person that's watching you. So if you're giving life advice and you're erring and umming and you're not confident how are they supposed to take confidence from that? On the flip side, if you're a gamer and it's all high paced and stuff and you leave a gap of five seconds where you're not talking, you might lose people in the cracks. They might just get bored because attention span. You need to keep hold of them. Four, don't binge upload. You've gone through all of that effort to bulk record. You've gone out your way to make 10 videos, edit 10 videos, upload 10 videos, and you've spaffed them all over the internet in one day all in one hour. In fact, all at the same minute. Now, if you were Netflix and you were dropping your content in one day, fine, people are willing to binge it because it's quality and they'll take their time. But YouTube doesn't work that way. If even the best YouTuber, let's say PewDiePie, uploaded 10 videos, his first two or three videos would get a lot of views. And then over time, even his most loyal supporters would just drop off. If you've got 10 videos, think in your head, upload schedule. In fact, maybe even pull together an upload schedule. I've I've done a video about upload schedules up here. You putting out 10 videos in one day, three videos in one day, swamps your subscribers. They might get bored. They might not even find the third one and you're shooting yourself in the foot. Just pace them out. I suggest three to four videos a week is, is optimal. So if you've got 10 videos, you've got possibly three weeks worth of content. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, pick a time, have a look at your demographics, publish them properly. Five, the direct opposite is sparse uploading. You'll promise a video once a week in your head, you'll decide, you know, I'll upload, I'll upload. And then you upload on Tuesday and then you don't upload for a month. And then you'll upload two or three videos in that week. And then you'll wait two months. Consistency is the key on YouTube. You need to install into somebody's head trust reliability and consistency. They want to be able to know when you are uploading your next video. Do you have a set day? Do you have a a set time? In return, you have to deliver on that, otherwise they won't trust you. They'll get bored, they'll either unsubscribe, or they'll be like, oh, okay, I didn't see that one. And then you just disappear off their radar and they forget that you exist. If Game of Thrones released one episode, randomly once in a blue moon, like once, a Tuesday, two months later, one week later, three days later, four months later, you'd get confused, you'd get lost. Maybe you'd even lose your entire audience. You Just need to consider that you need to be dedicated to uploading. Sparse content can kill the rhythm of your channel and can ruin your channel and the algorithm. Number six, slow, drawn out endings to videos. You've done all that hard work, you've pulled them in, you've let them know how fantastic this lip gloss is or why you need to buy this camera, and then you've alerted to them that the video is ending. So in your five minute video, three minutes of content, you've alerted at around about the three and a half minute mark that okay and that's it for today but blah 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 please subscribe why don't you check out this sponsor blah 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 if there's a minute and a half of you saying goodbye people know that you're saying goodbye and they'll click out way before the end of the video this ruins your attention time YouTube rewards people for keeping people in a video for as long as possible so if 90% of the content's really, really good and then it drops off, that's fine. But if 50% of the content is really, really good and 50% is you saying goodbye, people will drop off as soon as they notice that it's the goodbye signal. When you decide that you are leaving, get out as soon as you can, because in that way, the window of them leaving is much smaller and therefore, you know, that's the 10% of the video rather than the 50%. You retain people for longer. They watch for more of the video. That's a good, sign for YouTube that you've held them for that long, rather than, you know, making sure they're all out the door and you're hoovering behind them before you let the party end. Number seven, a call to action. So many people just feel that it's begging or that it's weird. A call to action can either be please subscribe or it could be telling them at the end of the video where they need to go. A call to action is something that needs to be actionable for you and your audience. And why is this important? Well, they've come to see your video. They've engaged long enough to enjoy your video. Now, you need to push them somewhere. You need to retain them somehow, either with a subscribe, a like, a conversation, or pushing them into a playlist. So, at the end of most of my videos, I tell you okay this is one of my content and did you know that you can also boost your views by going to blah 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 playlist a call to action helps you control the traffic that's on your channel it then shows YouTube that you are controlling your audience and ranks you better because you can bring people in and push them further into a session watch time eight hideous banners oh Dear Lord. So many people have commented on my live streams and on my YouTube channel. I I don't know why I'm not getting subscribers. Can you have a look at my channel? And I jump over, it's ugly branding, right? Either they have no channel banner or it's absolutely hideous, or it's a stock photo of, I don't know, lavender. Your banner needs to include who you are, when you upload and what you do. They should be able to look at your branding on your mobile and on the desktop and see who you are at a glance. Otherwise, they'll bounce. Your banner is your biggest advertising tool. You can push products, you can ask them to subscribe, they can get to know you. More importantly, you can set the expectations. They will then know that you are a gaming channel, or you're a makeup tutorialist, or you're a cover artist. If it's blank or non-existent, people will bounce on, it looks unprofessional and they will leave. Nine, talking about unprofessional, don't go to other people's videos and ask for views. Don't ask for sub for sub. Do not go to other locations and try to milk their community away from them. It won't work, you'll piss people off. There is nothing wrong with going to somebody else's channel, commenting, being part of their community, maybe asking for help, making friends that will go and check you out. But if you blatantly post on other people's comment sections, hi, I'll sub if you sub, or I'll view, go and check this out, here's my video link. It's shouty, it's obnoxious you will annoy people, don't do it. And number 10, my biggest tip, the hugest mistake that you can make as a small YouTuber is not having a channel trailer. A channel trailer is your very own personal mini advert explaining to subscribers who you are, what you do and why they should subscribe to you. A good trailer should be around about a minute long so it doesn't drag on too much, it doesn't bore people, it should tell them why you are interesting in that niche. So I am a YouTube certified expert and I can help you grow your YouTube channel. You need to qualify why? That's helpful. I've been on YouTube for around about six years with clients and other projects. So I've made those mistakes. I'm here to make sure that you don't. If you're a vlogger, an artist, a comedian, that kind of thing, why not throw in some B-roll, you know, so it catches their eye. And then at the end, ask them to subscribe. Tell them when you put out content and why that's helpful. Use every tool in that toolbox to advertise to people. That way, when they arrive, they get a small personalized kind of hello and it's, possibly a nudge towards that next subscriber. Because all small YouTubers wanna grow, get that 1,000 subscribers, get monetized. So if you need help in getting that like 1,000 subscribers in 2019, I've done a video up here. And of course, remember, for more YouTube tricks and tip tutorials, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification icon so you're related every time I go live. Go out there, start creating. Thank you for listening to the Start Creating podcast. If you want more tips, tricks and advice from Alan Spicer, that's me, then go to youtube.com forward slash Alan Spicer and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. See you soon. Go out there, start creating.